This is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. For 80 years, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. You are about to listen to another Bible-based lesson with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour. Starting now. Kind friends, would you like to know more about a life that is out of this world? Indeed, friends, you can have that kind of life, a life that is wonderful, a life of abundance, a life that is out of this world. Thank you to our Jay Webb for his wonderful introductions. We appreciate him welcoming everyone to our program, and we are delighted for each and every listener of our programming from the International Gospel Hour. For well over 85 years, you have listened And we are so thankful to increase our audience, and we appreciate the feedback from each and every one of you. Throughout our broadcast, we give you opportunities, for example, to go like our social media, and also to receive absolutely free our study material, and to access our website at internationalgospelhour.com. We hope you'll spend some time there very soon. But today, may I ask you this question? Would you like to know more about a life that is out of this world? Yes, friends, you can have this life. Listen to the words of Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 10. Peter writes, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, Be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. The Apostle Peter was writing to those Christians who were scattered abroad. Not a letter that was directly to a congregation like we find the letters of 1st and 2nd Corinthians or even the letter of Ephesians, but rather written to Christians that were scattered abroad to encourage, to help, to strengthen them in their faith. And so the question comes up, What manner of persons ought you to be? Well, if that question is asked to the Christian, would that not be asked unto us today? Let's think about the question from this text of 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, and the question asked in verse 11. What manner of persons ought you to be? The word manner there is a word that literally means to be foreign, or from what country, or what sort. In other words, out of this world. The word manner there, as we find it, would be what foreign of persons ought you to be? What country of persons ought you to be? Of what sort of persons ought you to be? And of course, Peter gives the answer. Holy conduct, godliness, later on, looking forward, diligent to be in peace, spot and blameless. Our manner of life is to not be of the world. 
We understand from 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 that we cannot go out of the world. And we're going to be living in a world, and we currently are, to where we find people of all different walks. And let's be very honest, dear friends, people that are not of Christ. There is the need for the Christian to let his or her light shine in the world. Jesus taught that in Matthew 5 and verse 16, to let our light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. A good life example of Christ, and we note that He is our example that we should follow in His steps according to 1 Peter chapter 1. But dear friends, let us think about this that we let our light shine, that people may glorify God. They want to know more about God through you and I. And if we let our light shine, are we not to imitate the teachings of Jude 22 and 23 and have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh? You see, we are to live a life in this world that imitates Christ, and we are to live a life that, well, to be honest, folks, our life should be out of this world. What manner of persons ought you to be? That is a wonderful question, and as we look at those answers, we will be able to see how to have a life that is out of this world. You know, when we ask the question, what manner of persons ought you to be? Well, we are blessed with a lot of wonderful research. There are a lot of answers we can give to this question. In my studies, I came across about 14 different things that what manner of persons ought you to be, examples that we are to follow, the way that our lives should be. But I cannot cover all 14 in this broadcast, but I believe the following will suffice in just a moment. We're going to look at the question, what manner of persons ought you to be? Before we do that, I'd like to pause and let you know that through the International Gospel Hour, we offer a free app to download on your phone. You can go to your uh, Google Play Store or your App Store, depending on your phone, whether it's an Android or an iPhone, and search there in the store or in Google Play. Just search for the app International Gospel Hour. And when it comes up, you can download it absolutely free. Through the International Gospel Hour app, you'll have access to our website, our YouTube channel. You'll also have access to a variety of other things. And one thing we're very pleased to have are a couple of very rare videos of our first speaker of the International Gospel Hour, Brother V.E. Howard. Download the free International Gospel Hour app today. And now, before we continue our study, I want to defer to R.J. Webb. He's got a few things to say about our International Gospel Hour social media. Jay? We appreciate you listening today. And please take a moment to like and follow the International Gospel Hour on Facebook as well as Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at our underscore gospel. That's H-O-U-R underscore gospel. This will keep you updated with our latest efforts, allow you to send a private message, or to know when the International Gospel Hour will be in your area. Follow us on social media. And now, here's Jeff. What manner of persons ought you to be? Let's consider our lesson text of 1 Peter chapter 3. In verse 11, let us be holy people. Now, simply defined, the word holy means to be sanctified 
and set apart for a reason. That is God's reason. Now, when I say sanctified, and you look that word up, it means to set apart. So the definition is set apart and set apart for a reason. The reason that we term it this way is that many times we say the word sanctified means set apart, and we stop right there. And while sanctify means to be set apart from the world or not to be of the world, as we noted earlier in our study, sanctified means not only to be set apart from the world, but set apart unto God. A holy life is not only moving away from what will defile us, but it also instructs us how to embrace a life that is undefiled, how to grow in Christ. Listen to these texts, and we'll highlight each of them for just a little bit to see how the word holy moves us away from evil living and moves us unto good, clean, faithful living. Listen to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now again, that's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul is telling the Christian, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, you're giving your very best unto God, just like the sacrifices of old in the Old Testament, the very best of the flock, the very best of those animals. Of course, when God sent Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice, He sent His very best. Well, would God expect less from us that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice? And then He describes it as being holy. You're set apart unto Me. You're now offered up to Me. You are to be acceptable unto Me. That is your reasonable service. That is your reasonable goal. That is what you are to be about. And then be not conformed to this world. We are to be transformed. Now, I have to stop and look and say, well, now, wait a minute. Have we not been transformed when we are presenting our bodies? And that is true. Here's the emphasis. It's moving away from the evil and moving toward the good. Be transformed changed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Think about transformed of the little bitty caterpillar that will wind up itself in a cocoon and one day will burst forth as a beautiful butterfly. Well, as we transform our lives, we allow the renewing of our mind. We allow the things, or not allow, if you will, but allow the things of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we renew ourselves in a study of God's Word. We're transforming ourselves. Listen to Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he who hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now let's think about this. 
gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, uh, an old western term for the cowboys with their horses, saddle up, get ready. Gird up the loins of your mind. Make certain that you have on that belt, that part of the salvation, of the armor of salvation that we read in Ephesians 6. Be ready. Have your mind ready. Be sober or wise. Hope to the end. Now notice that phrase. Hope to the end. Well, obviously, we're going to be walking as those who are hoping or have a hope that is in Christ. And that is an individual who is an obedient child. Remember that verse? And we are no longer fashioning ourselves according to the former lust that was in our ignorance. You see, we have learned better. We have grown in our knowledge better. And so now we're going to pursue that holy life. Now, you see, once again, we're moving away. We're sanctified, set apart from the world, but yet set unto God. How about Hebrews twelve fourteen? Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. You see, follow holiness. I love Titus two eleven and 12. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You see, denying the ungodliness, and then we live godly. We deny the worldly lust, but we live soberly and righteously in this present world. Now again, dear friends, Holy is not only moving away from the defiled, but it's embracing even more so a clean life as undefiled people. Is this not the manner of person that one should be living every day? What manner of persons ought you to be? Well, let us be holy. Let's move away and move closer to God every day. Number two, what manner of persons ought you to be? How about let us be diligent people? Now, that's verse 14 of Second Peter chapter 3. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent. All right, let's talk about being diligent. To be diligent, to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Now, see, we're continuing to move away. The word diligent there has other words that would parallel perfectly. The words such as work energy, zeal, exert, or forward to go onward. Now, when you look at these words, folks, that means that we put in the action of walking by faith and being what we should be when we are obedient unto God. Now, let's talk about the idea of being diligent to be found by Him, to work toward that, to put the energy into that, the zeal. In other words, what we put involved in our lives before, we need to put more so better emphasis in the new way that we are living. Sometimes, dear friends, a study of works create much confusion within the religious world, and that just should not be the case. After all, when we learn from Ephesians chapter 2 that by grace we are saved through faith, and that not ourselves, it is the gift of God, he goes on to say, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we automatically know that we are saved by God's grace through an obedient faith. That as we believe in God and we move toward obedience, that His grace saves us. Earlier we noted that the grace of God teaches us, and it teaches us to deny ungodliness and live faithfully. 
But in Ephesians 2 and verse 10, go just a little further. Paul there says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, the word workmanship there is a word that means that we are a product that's been manufactured that continues to be manufactured. That blends in perfectly with moving our lives toward a holier life. But when we think about work, sometimes we get a little misunderstanding. Let's see if we can do it this way. In James chapter 2, beginning with verse 14, throughout verse 26, James is not talking about faith and works. He is speaking of a faith that works. That would be a study in and of itself for another time. But within that study, does not James ask the question, Can you have faith and not have works? Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Works are what a saved man, or let's put it this way, Works are not what a man does in order to be saved, but works are what a saved man does. Now, let's get that again. Works are not what a man does to be saved. Works are what a saved man does. What's he doing? He is showing his faith. You see, when we look toward the end of James chapter 2 and verse 24, James concludes and says, You see then how by works a man is justified and not by faith only. James is saying if you say, I have faith and that's it, but you do not respond in your life to God through that faith, then you can say you have faith all day long. But it is the works or the action that comes forth from that faith. Good works are a pattern we are to follow. That's Titus 2 and verse 7. There are to be good works that are zealous, Titus 2 and verse 14. That comes out of the text of Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14, about the grace of God, how we deny ungodliness and worldly lust, and live soberly, righteously, and godly. You know, when you think about it, dear friends, we note from John chapter 6 that faith is a work, but it's a work of God. And in Colossians chapter 2, Verses 11 through 13, baptism is a work, but baptism is a work of God. It's not a work of man. Dear friends, so many times we pull away from the idea of works, thinking that we've got to do so much to get to heaven. Well, see, when we do that, then our salvation becomes of works only and not of grace. Dear friends, works are what a saved man does, not what a man does to be saved. Works reflect our obedient faith in God. It patterns perfectly with 1 Peter or 2 Peter 3 and verse 14. Therefore, beloved, those who are already saved, looking forward to these things, be diligent. Work at it. Put toward the zeal and allow your obedient faith to be shown. Dear friends, this is a thrilling study, but it also clears a lot of misconceptions. And you know, when we study the Word of God, that's what we're able to do. Have you ever had moments that you're in study that you look and you say, I didn't realize that before? Well, dear friends, we like to encourage good study, Good Bible study here from our programming of the International Gospel Hour.
As a matter of fact, we have a free study we'd like to send to you, and our J-Webb will tell us more about it. Kind listeners, would you love to know more about Jesus? To know more of the victory one has in Christ? We have a special study in one booklet called Victory in Jesus, and it is absolutely free. Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say Victory Study. That's it. Again, call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and please leave your name, address, and just say Victory Study. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information name, address, and type Victory Study. We'll send it as soon as possible. We appreciate our listeners and your interest in the things of Christ. And now, let's return to Jeff and our study. What manner of persons ought you to be? Let us be mindful people. Verse 10 reminds us of Second Peter chapter 3, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Dear friends, we understand that this world, this present earth, will pass away. That's affirmed in Matthew 24, verse 35. That day and hour knoweth no man but the Father above. So we need to be mindful of a few things. We need to be mindful that according to our lesson text of Second Peter 3, Verses 9 and 10 specifically, that Christ will return and this old world will end. We need to be mindful of only one chance while on this earth. Hebrews 9.27 says, For it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Man, when he dies, life is the only chance that he has to make things right. We need to be mindful of judgment, for in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, we are reminded that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And let's be mindful that according to Romans 14 and verse 12, we're going to give an account of how we lived. We're also mindful of eternity, for in Matthew 25 verse 46, Jesus concludes those parabolic teachings by saying that the righteous will go into life eternal but the unrighteous into everlasting punishment. That reminds us when we break that down that we need to be mindful of the reward for the faithful of God according to Matthew 25 verse 34 and Revelation 14 and verse 13. There is a blessing to those that die in the Lord. And then we need to be mindful of punishment. For in Matthew 25 and verse 41, we are reminded that punishment is everlasting, and to those who were disobedient unto God. In Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7-9, through 9, we are reminded how Christ will come and take vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Jesus Christ. Dear friends, the context of Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10-14 through 14, that we've considered today is a context that deals with Judgment Day. Dear friends, once a person passes away from this life, there are no second chances. So are we ready. And when we stand before God and this world were to end, and we don't know when it's going to end, dear friends, again, 
I know there are those, even in the religious realm rather, that want to give their predictions and their thoughts, and they miss it every time. We would do well to allow that to remain with God, because no man knows but the Father, Matthew 24:35. And so let us allow that return to be in the hands of God who can deal with it quite well. But let us be mindful of His return. Now, to be mindful of His return, would that not bring us back to be holy in our living? And would that, would that not remind us to be diligent, to work diligent, and to put forth the very best effort to live for Christ? What manner of persons ought you to be? Well, first and foremost, we should be saved individuals when we look upon how we can make that change of a holy life. That when we believe in God and we see His wonderful works and what He has done for us, then it moves us away that we want to live for Him. When we see the blessings that He grants and the grace that brings forth, who would not want that? So allow our faith to move us toward repentance. Jesus said in Luke 13, verse 5, Nay, I tell you, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Repentance is part of the salvation of man. Peter, on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 and verse 38, the first word out of his mouth when they asked what to do, he said, Repent. In Acts 3 and verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted. Even on Mars Hill in Acts 17 verses 30 and 31, Paul reminds us that there were times of ignorance God winked at, but now commands men everywhere to repent. When we repent of our sins, we change our direction of life. And then we're ready to confess with the mouth unto salvation, Romans 10, 9 and 10. We're ready to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father, Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. And then we are baptized into Christ, dear friends, yes. Baptized that we may be raised to walk in newness of life, Romans 6, verses 5 and 6. Baptism that will wash away our sins, Acts 22 and verse 16. That's the manner of person we ought to be, and then we are a new creation in Christ, and we walk faithful for Him. What a great study today, and thank you for joining me for this study. We'll study again soon. I'm Jeff Archie, and until next time, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope, first, that it glorified God, but second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. Oh.